What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and then realizing that there's no way we can understand your word without your Holy Spirit. So thank you for him tonight. Be our teacher. Amen. All right, now, in our last study, you remember that we watched Joseph as he went to his lost brothers. They were more lost than they knew. And we saw in that an example of how we should bring the gospel to the lost. We looked at Joseph, and we said, oh, yes, we can understand. Like Joseph, Joseph counted the cost. He knew he was walking right into the lion's mouth, but he counted the cost, and then he wholeheartedly embraced the mission to reach his lost brothers. That's us. We should wholeheartedly count the cost, but wholeheartedly embrace the mission to bring God's gospel to the lost. And why do we do that? Simply because he asked us to. That's it. And then we rely on the authority of the Bible because that's what God has given to us. And when we meet obstacles like Joseph did, he was, they weren't where he said he was going to be, where they, he was told they were going to be in Shechem. They should have been there. They weren't there. But when we meet the obstacles, we don't give up, but we pray for, as we saw that very significant verse there where it says a certain man found him. So we look for the certain men to help us and that certain Holy Spirit to help us. But there's something else that we need, and there's something that, that it's a subject that I want for us to consider tonight. We need to understand what we have because we're saved, therefore what the lost do not have because they're lost, and that's the subject of death, death. Because the gospel is the only answer to death. It's the only hope for death. Death is a very uncomfortable subject. I mean, it's very uncomfortable. I was just talking to a lost friend of mine this week, and I was talking about death, and he goes, oh, yeah. I mean, people don't want to talk about death. They would like to avoid talking about death. Why? Because death is entering eternity, and it cannot be avoided. The lost don't know what's going to happen at death as they enter into eternity, but 
They, they, some think, well, you know, you only live once, and, and I, since I don't know what's coming afterward, I better just live it up and get every ounce of pleasure possible that I can get while, before death comes. Because people, they don't even want to look like they're heading for death. You know, cosmetics and facelifts and bodybuildings and health supplements from companies called Life Extension, you know, <laughs> just to make a person look like death is not heading for me, right? Because people just want to soften, just soften the reality of death, just soften it, you know, with an assurance that, you know, hospice, it's only a phone call away, and then comes the heavy sedatives. You know, on June 9th, we have the California State Bill, the, the SB 128, the so-called end-of-life option, and it became law, which allows for us in California, it allows for assisted suicide. And the boards of, and the board of each hospital had to vote to opt in or opt out of the assisted suicide program. And so this, with lots of discussion, you know, I serve as a board member in Sharp Healthcare and at Grossmont Hospital, and I can tell you that those were some very uncomfortable discussions that we had on the board there about death. Because the problem with death for the lost is just the fear of the unknown. They just don't know. It's entering unknown unprepared, and that's terrorizing. That's terrorizing. And people never like to be unprepared for the future. And people see death as an unknown future, and they're just not prepared for it. And so they're looking for answers about death, answers to death. So people, they, they write books, people read books about people who have so-called died and then been revived, and, and they saw things, and they learned things, and they come back, and they write a book, and everybody buys a book. And then there are people who engage in the dark practices of the occult, trying to communicate with the dead, to, to remove the unknown, to learn about it. Well, what, what happens after death? And so the question for us is, where do we turn? Where do we turn for the answers about death? You know, I remember when I was um, given not too long to live because of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I had lots of tumors, and so I was attending a chemotherapy preparation, a chemo preparation class at the Morris Cancer Center at UCSD. And, and, and in that class, uh, along with me, there were some patients who had really advanced cancer. I mean, and they knew it, that they didn't have long to live. I mean, these are patients that had grossly metastasized tumors that had spread into their liver, into the pancreas, and all throughout the peritoneum. And I talked with them. And I heard in their voices this fear. I heard that. You know, you, you got to eat this, you got to do that, and so forth. And at the end of the class... The, 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 uh, the chemo preparation class, then they open it up for questions. And so they ask in the instructor these questions, and you could just hear it in their voice. These people needed God. They were in desperate need of God. So I raised my hand in the class, and I asked, the, here at the UCSD Cancer Center, are there any chaplains? And the instructor says, we don't have chaplains, but we have psychiatrists. <laughs> okay, so... Where do we turn for answers? We don't turn to psychiatrists. We don't turn to scientists for answers about death. We don't turn to philosophers. We don't turn to movies. We don't turn to our own imaginations. What other people have written in books and their own personal experience when it comes to the question of death? We turn to the Bible. We turn to the Bible for the answers about death. Now, the first question is, where did death come from? Where did this come from, this terrible thing? The Bible's clear. It's very clear, actually, from a warning that God gave to Adam when he said in Genesis 2.17, he said, 
but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God told Adam that if Adam decided, Adam, listen, if you decide to rebel against God, he says, if you decide to rebel, if you decide to disobey, you decide to do that and you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. You will die. And God made that warning very clear because he didn't just say, thou shalt die. He said, thou shalt surely die in the day that you do that. God left no doubt in Adam's mind. And so what did Adam decide to do? All his bluff. Bad decision. But he did it. And he's our father, uh, removed for a few generations. So, all right. He decided to call God's bluff and to rebel against God. And then God, God did something amazing. It's amazing what God did after that. It's so astounding. It's in Genesis 3.22 when it says in Genesis 3.22, and God said, the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword that turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So after man sins, after man rebels against God, something, and that was catastrophe, that was a catastrophe to man. But man didn't just walk away scot-free when he did that. He says, okay, you know, I just take that. Man contracted a sinful and a rebellious nature. I mean, man trifled with the bugs, with the disease, and then he caught the bugs and the disease. And from then on, man could not stop sinning and rebelling. You know, in my testimony, you know, when I was eight years old, and they sent the Jewish boy to military school. Jewish boys never go to military school, but me, they did. So I ended up in military school when I'm eight years old. The first thing you tell me on the first day, they said, this is a fire alarm. Don't touch the fire alarm. Every day, I had to touch that fire alarm. Why? Because I had the disease. I had the disease of sin and rebellion. Man sinned, and he became a sinner. Man rebelled, and he became a rebel. And that was a catastrophe for man. There's no doubt. That was a catastrophe. But there was an even greater catastrophe that was about to happen to man. And that's when God stepped in and said, no, I'm not going to let this greater catastrophe happen. And that's when he said in Genesis 3.22, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. See, the greater catastrophe that man could have done was to have eaten at that point of the tree of life and live forever. That would have been a catastrophe if man lived forever. For man to not die would have meant that man would forever be in that sinful, rebellious state for all eternity. If man lived forever, he would have been just like the devil, just like the demons who have their fate sealed for eternity. So God puts these cherubims at the entrance of the Garden of Eden at the flaming swords to keep them from the tree of life and to keep them from living forever. Think about that. God was keeping man from living forever. There's a way that you should live forever. There's a way that you should not live forever. And the devils and the demons are in the way that you should not live forever as sinful and rebellious. Death was then man's only hope 
Man's only hope of being delivered from his sinful state. Man had to die. Through death, the believer experiences, this, through the resurrection, his deliverance from sin. That's why death for the believer, it's actually a blessing. Because through death, he's delivered. Now, we learn about death more. We learn more about death in the Bible, where it says in 1 Corinthians 15.26, 1 Corinthians 15.26, it says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, first of all, the Bible calls death an enemy. The last enemy is death. Death is an enemy. An enemy to who? It's an enemy to man. It's also an enemy to God. Death is an enemy to God. Why? Because God never meant for man to die. God, when God created us, he created us to live forever, not to die. And God never intended for man to sin and to gain and to get all the consequences of sin, of pain and disease and cancer and death. Those were not part of, of God's original plan. But when man sinned, he brought it on. He brought all, all this on with death. But death, death was not only a, an enemy, as it says in that verse, but death was to be destroyed. God targeted death for destruction. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. So God knew that we were no match for death. We were no match. Death, death looks it up and laughs. You're going to defy me, death says. God knew we could not destroy death. So God says, God in essence says to us, just step aside. Just step aside and I'll take on death myself. See, death is like Goliath. Death is like Goliath on this battlefield. We're like the Israelites. Goliath appears, Israelites run. Death appears, we run. We're just like the Israelites. Um, we try to fight, that's useless. And so we flee. But Goliath would met his match in David. When he appeared on the battlefield, he fought death, he won. And God said, death has met his match in me. I'm David. And that's where you get all of this from Hosea 13, 14. Hosea 13, 14, where God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. He uses that word ransom. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be thy plagues. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. In other words, I'm not going to change my mind about this. See, in that marvelous verse, it's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, and he faces death right in the face, and he says to him, oh, death, oh, death. He's like he's saying, he said, death, he's like, you see them pointing to us? He says, let me tell you, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. I mean, he says to death, I know that when they sinned, they were kidnapped by you, death, and I know you're holding them for a ransom. But he says, in Hosea 13, 14, he says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. See, I'm going to pay. He's going to say, I'm going to pay with my blood for their ransom. That's going to be the ransom. And then he says, not only is he going to pay the ransom, then he speaks to death head on. He says, oh, death, I will be thy plagues. I, 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 oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. It's like he's saying to death, you just met your worst nightmare. It's me. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he hates death. He hates death. He hates death so much that he actually described how he's going to destroy death in Isaiah 25.8. In Isaiah 25.8, 8, 
it speaks about him. It says, he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. The Lord has spoken it. So these are graphic words when he says he will swallow up death in victory. You know, that's the real big gulp right there. When the Lord Jesus swallows up death in victory. I mean, when you go over to the tabernacle, just think of that first part of the tabernacle over there. You know, you go over there and you got brazen altar, you know, the brazen altar, it's got the fire and the, and just think, you know, that, that's a life-size model over there. But just think of the millions and millions of animals that were burned up and consumed on a brazen altar. I mean, it was just like as that went on and on for years and years, hundreds of years, it went on. And as it continued to go on, you could see the fire crying out, give me more and more and more and more. And the more animals that were put onto that brazen altar, the flames just leaped up and consumed them, and the flames just cried out, give me more, give me more. Well, like it says in Proverbs 30, verse 15, that Proverbs 30, verse 15, yea, four things say not, it's enough. The grave, the barren woman, the earth that's not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. See, the, not, the fire never says it's enough. The brazen altar never said, okay, I've had enough animals now. I'm satisfied, I don't want any more. Never said that. Fire in the brazen altar never said it's enough. The fire in the brazen altar just cries out, I want more to burn up. I want more animals. And each animal that's put on there, the flames then leap up and lick that animal into combustion until it's consumed. And the fire cries out, that's fine, now give me more. It was terrifying. The fire represented death. And that happened until the Lord Jesus became the sacrifice, and then the flames didn't consume the Lord Jesus, he consumed the flames as he destroyed death. And that's what he meant. He's, he turned around, he swallows up death in victory. And so for the believer, death has been destroyed. It happens so well that Paul then, he turns around and he does the taunting. You know, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 1 Corinthians 15, 54, he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death is swallowed up in victory. O death, here he is taunting, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, death, death lost its stinger. The bumblebee lost its stinger. You know, it's a flies around. It's terrifying. You look closely. There's no more stinger in it. Grave has no more victory. So that's how Paul can turn and taunt. Okay? The Lord Jesus then turns and says, here you go. And he gives us the victory. He turns, he gives us the victory over death. Thanks be unto God. Now, the Lord Jesus says in Revelation 1.18, Revelation 1.18, he makes a statement. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. He said, I have the keys of hell and of death. That's where he's talking. He says, I have the keys of hell and death. See, he's, he's talking now about hell. Now he's speaking about hell. He said, oh. Now, the Bible talks a lot about hell, and there's no one in the Bible that spoke more about hell than the Lord Jesus. He spoke more than anybody else about hell in warnings. And so what is it? What is hell? What is hell? Well, the Bible says Hell is a place where God is not. 
That's a good description. Hell is a place where God is not. To be in hell is to be in a place where God is absolutely absent. It's to be out of the presence of God. You know, there was a tragic prayer that was made to the Lord Jesus, and it was tragic for the ones who prayed it because their prayer was unfortunately answered. And as a matter of fact, this is the most tragic prayer that anyone can ever make. And this prayer was made in the country of the Gadarenes. I mean, here was a man that was possessed with devils. And it says in Luke 8, 26, Luke 8, 26, they arrived to the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of a city, a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And then it says further on in verse 29, Luke 8, 29, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters. He broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. So who's this man? This man is naked. This man's living in the cemetery. This, this man cannot be contained. He can't be can, contained. He has a supernatural strength because of the devils that were inside of him. And the Lord Jesus speaks to those devils, and he, said, and he asked them what their name was. And he said, and they, they said, well, our name is Legion because we're many. We're many devils. And then they beg the Lord Jesus, don't cast us out into the deep. And they beg the Lord Jesus, let us go into this herd of pigs over here. And he agrees. And the pigs run into the lake and they're drowned. Then the whole city comes out to the Lord Jesus. They see the man that's delivered from the devils. They don't care. They see him in his right mind. They don't care. But then they see the pigs are destroyed. They care. And they're more concerned about the pigs than the man who was delivered. So then the prayer is, the tragic prayer is in verse 37, Luke 8, 37, Luke 8, 37. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him, as in pray, besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. That was a prayer. That was a prayer when they besought him to return from them. That's the most tragic prayer that anyone can ever pray to God. You know what that prayer is? That prayer to God is, leave me alone. That prayer is, to God, mind your own business. That prayer to God is, depart from me. Those are the most tragic words that, that a person can pray, and that's what, they, that's, what, that's what they pray to him. And the tragedy is, he answered it. When it says in Luke 8, 37, and he went up into a ship and returned back. The tragedy is he agreed. The tragedy is he says, okay, you want me to leave? I'm leaving. That's a great tragedy. You know, I mean, I've, sometimes I, on a plane, I've sat on a plane, I always take the aisle seat. because Anyway, the person on the inside, I start to tell him about God, and I can see he's getting uncomfortable. And I said, I want to just give you assurance that I'm going to be like chemotherapy. I'm going to bring you to the point of death, then I'll back off. All right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, but <clears throat> this is a tragedy when a person says, leave to God, leave me alone. That's what hell is. Hell is a place where that prayer is finally answered. All through life, the lost want to be just left alone. No more Christians witnessing to them. No more Bibles in hotel room drawers. No more radio programs making invitations to them. No more overtures 
from Christians, from God, and they get that answered in hell. Hell is where man finally gets what he wants for God to leave him alone. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.